Okay, it's good to be here with you this morning, and uh, I consider it a privilege, and uh, it's been a blessing uh, as uh, we've been in Mifflinburg for 12 years now, just uh, recently retired uh, from the uh, Mifflinburg Alliance Church in August, and uh, now doing uh, radio program ministry on college campuses, and I'll tell you a little bit about that in a minute. But first, I wanted to say how much I appreciate your pastor, Pastor Krell. Uh, we've been good friends. I consider him one of the best friends I've had in, uh, among pastors over the years, and uh, just a, a man of God, a man of prayer, a man of the word, and uh, one that uh, uh, we've had good fellowship and some good opportunities together. And I uh, consider him a good friend and uh, praying for him in Guyana this morning and uh, trust that uh, uh, they'll have a wonderful trip and a time there. Uh, we actually uh, were together uh, praying. Uh, uh, one of the prayer meetings that we started over 10 years ago, I think, was for the school district when uh, Barry Tomasetti was the superintendent of schools and we started a small group of uh, praying together here in your uh, lobby. Uh, I think we actually started up in the school district office at first, and uh, we wanted to uh, avoid any controversy, so we moved down here after maybe a year or two. Uh, but uh, uh, even now, since uh, Barry Tomasetti moved on a few years ago, we've continued that Thursday morning prayer meeting. We started out uh, uh, doing it at 6.30 in the morning, and then we got a little lazy about a year or two ago and moved it to 7.30. And uh, I, uh, it's interesting, the attendance hasn't improved with that extra hour of sleep, but uh, we've had a great time together. And so over the years, we've uh, enjoyed good fellowship, and uh, he is a good friend. I appreciate the opportunity uh, to fill in uh, here in your pulpit this morning. And uh, as I mentioned, I'm uh, now retired from the pastoral ministry, served here in Mifflinburg at the Alliance Church for 12 years, and uh, overall 37 years with the Christian and Missionary Alliance in uh, different pastorates around the country, and, uh, uh, but now have focused my attention and uh, ministry to around a radio ministry that I started a number of years ago called the Lions Den University Report. And I go around the country and visit college campuses. I actually have been to almost 30 since my retirement and uh, interview dedicated Christians on the campuses, but also do uh, ministry and evangelism among uh, faculty and staff and students and uh, athletic teams and so on uh, at the various universities. And although our universities are in general hostile to the Christian faith, uh, there are Christians at every campus that I visited and campus groups. And if uh, you know of a young person, you're a young person headed to college at some point, uh, if you'll look, you'll find uh, Christian fellowship and opportunities there. Uh, most of the professors are not Christians, and uh, most of the leadership are uh, promoting values which are hostile to the Christian faith, uh, but there are uh, those who are shining lights for Christ as they uh, live the Christian life in that setting. And so this morning, uh, as you leave down on the, uh, in the, uh, outside the, the main doors there, there's a table with some CDs that you're welcome to take, one or more if you'd like, of samples of the program. And uh, some of the ones, some of the samples there of the, it's a weekly 15-minute uh, interview program, and each CD has four of the interviews on it. And uh, some of the ones in the back that have been on the program, a uh, recent one, Dr. John Sanford, a Cornell University professor who was an atheist uh, for half of his career and uh, 
through some uh, marital problems. Uh, he and his wife uh, both came to Christ, and uh, now, uh, after studying the Bible more, uh, also challenged his evolutionary beliefs, and now is a strong creationist, has written a book entitled uh, Genetic Entropy, how the uh, uh, direction of life among the, at the genetic level is not toward improvement and advance as evolution would uh, suggest, but rather it's entropy, it's going downhill, uh, that mutations are being added to all of life constantly, and they're predominantly destructive. Uh, then also you may f- be familiar with the evangelist, Ravi Zacharias. He ministers on many campuses, and we had him on our program a while back. And uh, Ray Comfort of The Way of the Master is on one of the CDs there. I did a couple of segments with him out in California. He distributed uh, 100,000 of the copies of the book, uh, Origin of Species by Darwin with a 50-page introduction he wrote of why evolution is wrong on the 150th anniversary of that book uh, a couple of years ago. And uh, we featured an interview about that distribution on the campuses. Uh, Another one you might find interesting, Dan Wernsberger is the head wrestling coach at Bucknell University, just in our neighborhood here. And uh, he shares his testimony, how he came to Christ as a wrestler at uh, Michigan State University, how he was arrested for uh, marijuana use and uh, uh, almost ended his uh, college and wrestling career at that time and how God worked to bring him to the faith uh, through that circumstance. Uh, Another one that's uh, on a few of the CDs there is the uh, former chairman of the board of trustees He's a Penn State. He's now with the Lord. O.B. Snyder was a major cattle uh, rancher in southern, uh, uh, southwestern Pennsylvania, but was a strong believer in Jesus Christ and the Bible and was known that uh, people knew him by the fact that he knew or he, he would uh, tell people that you can know that you have eternal life if you believe in Jesus Christ. And uh, when he uh, his uh, Memorial service at the uh, Pasquarella Spiritual Life Center on the Penn State campus. Uh, hundreds of folks were there, and each of the young people, his uh, children and his grandchildren, who spoke, shared how they remembered their grandfather and their father, always telling them uh, that they need to put their faith in Jesus Christ and have a place in heaven one day, and how important that was. And so here, uh, former chairman of the Board of Trustees at Penn State for nine years and member of that board for many years, uh, now with the Lord. So if you're interested in any of those things, feel free to take one or more of the CDs. Uh, We make thousands of them, and that's part of our ministry as well. We hand out some of those on the campuses, and uh, uh, to... uh, uh, they're almost as gospel tracts uh, as they share the message of Christ. And our purpose is threefold, uh, to share the Christian message that Jesus Christ is the answer. And I trust that you found him as your personal Savior this morning, that you're here to worship him. Uh, if you're still searching or you're putting on a front that uh, you're a Christian by attending church, I would encourage you that he is uh, the answer for life our hope uh, for this life and the life to come. And uh, he is the greatest person who ever lived, who made the greatest offer ever made, the forgiveness of our sins. And we all know uh, the sins in our life. Uh, None of us will be in heaven because we're good enough. Uh, Jesus said it himself when the rich young ruler came to him. uh, The rich young ruler said, good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? 
And uh, you remember perhaps Jesus' response. He said, why do you call me good? Only one is good, that is God. And he wasn't saying he wasn't good. He was saying he was God in the flesh, the second person to the Trinity. But only God is good. The rest of us are sinners. That's why he came to provide salvation on the cross. And so that message is still relevant and applicable to people today, uh, regardless of their status or position in life, how old or young they might be. Uh, We all need Christ, and someday we'll all have a a destiny in eternity, and we want to be in heaven, and Jesus is the way, the truth, and life. So the first uh, promotion of our program is uh, to share that gospel of Jesus Christ, the hope of the world, the hope for our universities today, and many of the universities were started to promote the Christian faith, to train Christian leaders. A lot of them have the... the, representations of the past that you can still see of how the heritage of Christianity is there. If you were to go to Stanford University out in California this morning and you come down the the, uh, street lined with palm trees into the entrance of the campus and look there, the uh, central quad is right in front of you and as you look at the back of the quad it stands out as you're uh, uh, viewing the campus is the chapel that was built by Mrs. Stanford and uh, on the front of the chapel it comes to a peak about 40 feet high and uh, uh, all across the front of the chapel is this beautiful uh, mural, I think it's a mosaic, of Jesus Christ with his arms outstretched and about 20 of his disciples standing around him. And now if you were to study in the classes at Stanford today, uh, you would find a hostility to that person, Jesus Christ. But the heritage is there, and the influence of uh, our Savior uh, was predominant in the universities, and unfortunately many, if not all, have drifted away. And uh, we need to pray for revival on the campus today. So we uh, promote the gospel, we try to... Uh, network the Christians who are uh, the program is called the Lion's Den University Report. It's a hostile setting for many who go on campus, even professors. Uh, many of them say they're afraid to speak up that they're a Christian or that they believe in the Bible or believe in creation or the Christian morality uh, because of the ridicule that they'll get or maybe even lose their job or, or be denied tenure and other circumstances as a result of being bold. But as they get stronger in their faith, many are making a public stance for Christ. Uh, in uh, many times a hostile environment. So we try to network the Christians so that they know uh, that there are others doing the same thing, others standing for the faith in the same setting they are, to encourage you as well as you stand for Christ in uh, maybe your job or your school uh, or your setting, uh, your neighborhood where others uh, don't necessarily appreciate it, to know that other believers are doing the same thing and and willing to suffer for Christ, whatever those uh, consequences might be. And then thirdly, we address the politically correct uh, ideas in our culture today that are opposed to the biblical teachings. And so there, when you go to get a university education today, many of the campuses, it's a university indoctrination, not an education uh, into the politically correct ideas that are hostile uh, to Christianity and the Bible today. And so we address uh, some of those issues. And uh, some are even addressed on, on uh, some of the programs on the CDs this morning. Uh, But that's not what I'm here to speak about this morning. Today is uh, uh, Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, and we uh, focus on an an issue and uh, a uh, segment of our belief uh, with thousands and thousands of churches around America today who are setting aside uh, last Sunday or this Sunday uh, to focus on the concern for the sacredness of human life. 
that the Bible teaches very, from the very start that God created man in his image. And that means every person, every person here this morning, you and I and every single individual alive today, human being, is made in the image of God. God created us in his image as he reached the pinnacle of creation. And it looks like you're not there yet in the, the series that uh, Pastor Krell is doing, uh, that uh, when you get to day six, God created the land animals, and then he created last of all, man and woman, Adam and Eve. And uh, Uh, This was the pinnacle of creation, of no other aspect of creation. Though he's the author of it all and the creator of it all, no other aspect of creation does he say, let us make this in our image. The uh, triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit made man in his image. And we are in the image of God with a special relationship, the ability to relate to our creator. And so we know that we're uh, different than the animals. When we go down to uh, McDonald's here and uh, pick the... uh, a Big Mac or the uh, chicken uh, uh, sandwich or filet of fish. Uh, we're not eating our relatives. Uh, we are uh, eating uh, the lower creatures that God made. He made them and he made them for our benefit and our purposes. Uh, but man is made in God's image and woman, all people, man, woman, boy and girl have a special uh, identity with the image of God that uh, we have the ability to communicate and to love and to know right and wrong and to know our our creator uh, that uh, no other creature in creation uh, has that privilege and so we think human life then is sacred it's special you don't uh, you don't mistreat people that are around you no matter who they are uh, whether they're a criminal or somebody who's wealthy or somebody who is uh, highly educated or somebody who has no education uh, whoever they are if they're old and uh, uh, boy when you, you realize how fast that happens young people uh, enjoy your youth while you have it uh, it uh, uh, I turned 62 uh, last October, and I uh, can't believe that, that the time has gone by so fast. Uh, but uh, no matter how old you are, everybody has the image of God. And, and uh, some people have handicaps, and some people have different ethnicities and races and all of that. The Bible says everybody deserves respect. Uh, some of the schools celebrated or recognized Martin Luther King Day uh, this uh, past week. And... Uh, Uh, that uh, uh, Martin Luther King was a Baptist minister. And I don't know if they teach that when they they, uh, uh, observe his day, but the reason why he was for civil rights is he said, everyone's made in the image of God. We're all creations of God. And and everyone deserves respect, no matter who they are, because God made us special. And uh, no one is beneath the respect and dignity of someone made in God's image. Everyone deserves our respect and attention. Uh, When you talk to people, uh, uh, the disciples had this problem one time. They thought children weren't as important as adults, didn't they? Remember the the people were trying to bring the children to Jesus to bless them? And uh, and the disciples said, no, Jesus is here for the adults. And, uh, you know, we don't have time for you. Uh, But Jesus was indignant, it says. He got mad because he knew even as a child you have God's image. As young as you are, you deserve respect and 
and uh, dignity and, and proper treatment by everyone else around you. Now, it doesn't always happen because uh, we're all sinners and all cultures have sins. And there's racism, and there, but there's also other kinds of disrespect. I, you know, uh, uh, even in our community, uh, some of the uh, uh, view we have over of the people in Lewisburg sometimes, uh, the people related to the university somehow think they're better than the people who aren't university people and educated. And uh, that's a temptation that uh, man and has to sin and not uh, view things the way God does. God sees everybody as equal value and no one should be treated different. Uh, some people have nicer houses and live in better neighborhoods and everything else. You know what? Uh, we're all made in God's image and we all are worthy of the same respect and, and uh, good treatment, the best treatment. You ought to uh, honor and respect everyone that you meet uh, because, as it says, we're all made in God's image. I'd like for us to turn for just a few minutes this morning as we think of this subject, the sacredness of human life, uh, to one of the key passages that speak of life beginning at conception, and that human life does not just when we're outside the womb, but it starts at our conception, uh, when a unique uh, event takes place inside of our mother. Our life began at that time when the sperm and the egg united and a new genetic code uh, was established for the first time in history at that point of conception where the sperm and the egg unite. If we would look at it medically, scientifically, uh, human life begins at conception. And if human life is sacred, it ought to be preserved and protected from the beginning of that life. And uh, here the psalmist David uh, explains to us uh, God's view and that human life does begin It is marvelous and it is wonderful, the God who made us. And our life does begin when he forms us in our mother's womb. And I'm reading from the New King James Version Bible, Psalm 139, beginning with the first verse. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost part of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide me from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you, for you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they are all written. The days fashioned for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God! How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Let's pray. 
Father, as we consider this portion of your word this morning, would you apply it to our hearts and our lives? May we have the great joy of knowing you as our creator, uh, that you know every detail about us from our mother's womb and where we are today. You know and care, and that there's salvation for all of us through Christ, knowing even that we have all fallen and sinned, and we don't deserve a place in heaven. But you've prepared one for us through Jesus, who died for us and rose again. So guide us now by your spirit, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so here we have King David writing a psalm to us. He's trying to uh, tell us a little bit about who our God is and who we are in relation to him. And we're talking about the sacredness of human life this morning. And the sacredness of human life starts with a creator. Uh, If we were not created, uh, the fact that we have a creator means that somebody designed us. Somebody made us and was thinking when we came into existence. We're not just an accident of blind processes that accidentally happened to come together at a a certain time. That uh, uh, the uh, mutations happened and all of a sudden here we are, a a, a bag of chemicals that organized itself into our shape. We have a designer We are created by our creator. And notice who our creator is and uh, what his attributes are. Uh, It says in verse 7 in particular, I want to focus on a couple of things here. uh, That uh, where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? And uh, uh, the first aspect that that we see here of God, our creator, uh, is that he's omnipresent. He's present everywhere at the same time. There are three attributes of God that uh, we teach as we teach in theology of who God is. uh, And uh, one of them is omnipresent. He is omni, meaning everywhere. Present, meaning uh, he's there. He's present everywhere. And the other two are omnipotent, all-powerful. Omni, all-potent, powerful. And... uh, For God to create the universe and to create us uh, demonstrates his power and godhood, it says in Romans chapter 1. It's clearly seen. No one will have an excuse not to believe in God. You just look at what's there, and it exhibits a designer who is omnipotent, all-powerful. And then he's also omniscient. He knows everything. And... uh, uh, He knows the past, the present, and the future. He knows all about us. He knows all the details of our life. And as we'll see here, uh, he's wherever we are, he's omnipresent. And we can't uh, uh, find a place where God is not there. If you think that you're alone today, you're you're wrong. God is here. And uh, uh, we can push him away by our sin and our neglect of repenting of sin and our neglect of prayer and so on. We can push him out of our life. It says that uh, we're separated by our sins, uh, but it isn't that he isn't there. It's that we have built a a wall in our spiritual relationship by our sins. And we simply need to trust in Christ and ask his forgiveness. And it says if we confess our sins and admit our need, he forgives us our sins and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And so he's there wherever we are. Now that's good news and it's bad news. The fact that God is everywhere you are, he's with you all the time, he knows all about you, uh, is uh, both uh, bad news and good news. The bad news is he knows all the rottenness about you. Uh, You know, there was a a program on uh, a while back, I didn't get to follow up on the details, but it was about unsolved mysteries. And apparently there was a man who stole millions of dollars and uh, 
several decades ago, and, and he got in an airplane, and he got a parachute, and, and uh, I think it was a commercial airplane, and he, he, uh, he had them uh, uh, let him jump out of the plane with these millions of dollars and some uh, back uh, uh, remote area of the world, and uh, that the crime has never been solved. He got away with the crime, uh, is uh, what they say, and they don't know, uh, you know, where all those millions of dollars are or where this uh, criminal went. And uh, sometimes we think, you know, we're going to get away with something, that uh, 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 we did something and we didn't get thrown in jail, we didn't get caught, we didn't have to pay any consequences, you know, we got away with it. Uh, but the Bible says, no, no, no. God was there. Uh, if no one else saw it, and uh, if no one else knows it this morning, uh, you know, uh, we go through the Ten Commandments. If we're uh, not uh, worshiping the true God and uh, the other aspects of the commandments, we're committing adultery or, or uh, greed, greedy or lustful. God knows all that. He's there. He's everywhere. And he knows all that we're doing, and that's bad news if you're trying to get away with uh, thinking that you're not getting caught with your sins. Galatians 6, 7 says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever man sows, he shall reap. And so we're all going to reap the consequences that we're all sinful. And so to try and hide that we're sinful or think that we didn't get caught is a deception. And it fools us to think, uh, you know, we're never going to pay any consequences. The Bible says that we've all sinned and we all need to fess up and admit it and confess it and say, God, forgive me. And he paid the price already. There's somebody who's paid our penalty, isn't there? And he paid it on the cross of Calvary, Jesus Christ, the sinless one who is God, who is good. And when he died, he paid for all of our sins. And if you haven't asked him to forgive your sin, you need to because God knows you're a sinner. Uh, even the most atheistic person, uh, if you, they're honest with you, they'll, they know things that they've done in their life that they believe are wrong. They might not even believe there's a God or anyone who sees them, but they know it. And not only do you know where you're wrong, God knows it too. And uh, uh, he, he's there. He's wherever we are. And so that's the bad news side, uh, that you can't hide from God. And we don't get away with anything. And that God sees injustice. When you say even in here it says before I even say my words, God knows them. If you say something unkind, if you gossip, uh, you know, we have all these communication we're hearing about of, of uh, now the, the uh, Internet communications, the texting and so on. And uh, people are harming other people through the words that they're using. Uh, the Bible says God knows my words even before I say them. And we're going to be held accountable to him. And uh, that we need to be aware that he sees and he hears uh, the words. But not only that, even our secret thoughts. The Bible says uh, that uh, he even knows our mind. He knows so much about us. He knows what we're thinking. He knows if you're thinking about the sermon this morning or thinking about what's for lunch. And uh, uh, he knows, do you care about him or are you just here because someone made you be here or it's the thing to do or whatever? He knows even our secret thoughts. And it says, in the, uh, Jesus said in the day of judgment, even our secret thoughts will be revealed. And so we definitely need a savior if he knows all that. That's the bad news. The good news is there is a Savior who forgives us. And then once we're forgiven, he's with us in all the hard times that we have, in all the challenges, all the situations, the good and the bad. He's right there with us all the time and there to strengthen us, there to give us wisdom and guidance, there to help us. 
You know, life isn't always easy. For Even if you're a Christian, you don't expect that everything is going to go smooth. Two of the greatest trials in uh, our family's life happened within the past year. Uh, one uh, was the uh, death of uh, our daughter-in-law, uh, Kimberly, who uh, battled cancer for over six years. And uh, uh, it was a, a great uh, trial and challenge. And she was trusting Christ. And we know she's now in a better place. And all of that uh, chemotherapy and surgeries and all of the other nutritional things and everything she tried to stop the cancer, uh, she doesn't have to do that anymore. Uh, and uh, there'll be a reunion one day because uh, her husband, our son Doug, and her daughter, Mariah, uh, believe in Jesus also and we'll be in heaven together one day but that was a tough time and uh, very tough and uh, uh, most recently some of you know uh, my wife Jennifer uh, broke her leg going down to the laundry room and uh, stumbled missed one of the steps and broke her leg seriously under the knee and she's immobilized now for some time uh, maybe a month or more till she's able to even put weight on that and uh, so we're going through a challenging time. Uh, actually, uh, she liked what the, one of the nurses said. Uh, that means the doctor is going to write you a note and say you never have to do laundry again. <laughs> but uh, anyway, we're adjusting to all of that, and that's not easy. Uh, we appreciate what people with uh, accidents and diseases and handicaps, a lot of them are go through, some of them, for their whole life uh, just to live and the struggles that it takes. But God is there with us. And uh, he comforts us and encourages us. And he promises never to leave or forsake us. He's everywhere. You remember Jonah and the great fish. And uh, Jonah tried to get away from God, didn't he? And maybe you know God wants you to do something. And he's asking you to do something. And you think, well, if I just ignore it or if I go do something else that God won't see it and and I don't need to respond to God's leading in my life Jonah did that he said you want me to go to Tarsh uh, to uh, Nineveh I'm going to get on a boat go the opposite direction to Tarshish and uh, uh, what happened he uh, went uh, was thrown overboard and ended up in the in the great fish and uh, uh, it says in uh, Jonah chapter 2, he cried out to the Lord and he heard me uh, from the, the belly of the fish. Okay, how did God hear him? God's there, isn't he? He's everywhere we are. And uh, as someone has said, he's only a prayer away when we're in need. We need to talk to him and communicate with him because he's right there with us. He knows our need. He knows every little detail. He formed us in our mother's womb. The amazing thing about uh, human life of... Uh, uh, at the conception, uh, the first DNA uh, of, our, of our existence happens at the point of conception. When the sperm and the egg unite, a new DNA is formed. And DNA is like the blueprint for our life. You know, if you've seen a, a blueprint, it says where the walls go and where the bedrooms go and the living room and the kitchen and bathrooms and all of that for a house. A blueprint. Well, that's what the DNA is, but uh, it's in each of our cells. And we're told, I've heard uh, varying estimates, but there are between three and a hundred million cells in our body. 
body, tiny living units that are building blocks to who we are, about three to hundred trillion of them. They all work together. And uh, in the DNA of that one cell, when the sperm and egg unite at the point of conception, when our human life begins, uh, all of the information is there to tell us all the different kinds of cells, the skin cells, the muscle cells, the tissues, the heart cells, the blood cells, the bone cells, everything had to be organized. And all that information is in the blueprint, the DNA, and the DNA is not the only thing in the cell. It also has the uh, operating uh, equipment to make that blueprint come into existence uh, because it's not any good to have a blueprint if you don't have the materials and, and the workers to put the blueprint into action. And so all of that is in that one single cell is where it starts. And all it needs to become a fully mature human being like you and me is time and uh, nutrition. All that cell, one cell needs to become the three to a hundred trillion cells uh, of all differentiation and all the different functions. And, and uh, most of the time to work uh, amazingly uh, is time and nutrition. And so every human life is sacred, not just after we're born, but at the point of conception. We have a unique identity. That DNA that will be in every one of our cells all during our life comes into existence for the first time at conception and is in every one of our cells through our entire lifetime. Our unique uh, identity, our blueprint given by God, as it says there in verse 13, for you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and my soul knows that very well. And uh, as you think of human life, how not only it's special, made in God's image, but even life itself is uh, beyond comprehension, how complex and how uh, wonderful and magnificent it is. Uh, there was a man who, who unfortunately is a, an uh, evolutionist, and uh, he's a professor at uh, the University of California at Berkeley, where I got my bachelor's degree many, many years ago now. Uh, and... Uh, 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 the professor said he just got the Nobel Prize for his work on the cell and how uh, he described how uh, he discovered a, a uh, function in the cell where a capsule takes in, uh, proteins from the, the center of the cell and carries it out to the outside of the cell and, and uh, removes it from the cell. And that capsule process now is helping to make insulin for diabetics and a lot of other things because it can do it a lot faster knowing that process. So he was given the Nobel Prize for this. Uh, but he went on as he described it. He says, you know, the cell isn't just like a bag of blood, uh, just some things all together. He says, it's like New York City. Okay, he says every single cell, we have three trillion of them, but yet if you go down to the one single cell, he says it's like New York City, it's so complicated. And uh, Dr. John Sanford on the uh, CD uh, in the back there, uh, he says uh, every single cell is like the internet because every part, it's filled with millions of components. One single cell in your body, that first cell at conception is filled uh, with... Uh, uh, functions going on all the time, uh, millions of parts that have to work together to provide nutrition, to uh, take information around, to communicate. It says it's uh, complica uh, communicating with each other all the time. It's akin to the internet, what's going on in each cell of your body all the time, how amazing and wonderful it is. And we've only known this in the recent generations uh, or in the recent decades since they've discovered molecular cell biology, since they have these electron microscopes that can get down 
uh, to, to see the tiniest things. When they first developed evolution, they thought the cell was just a glob of some sort of material. Now they know it's like New York City. It's like the internet, every cell of your body. And so we say with the psalmist this morning, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Jesus said one time that uh, even the hairs on your head are numbered. Uh, that uh, God knows so much about you. He knows every detail. When he formed you in the womb, he made that DNA. He knows the weak areas of your life, the strong areas. He loves you. He has a purpose for your life. And so he didn't make any junk. He made uh, wonderful people in his image. And though we all have sin, we're marred by the sin, uh, sinful nature that we all are born with, uh, yet we can become great in God's purpose and plan if we'll trust in him even in our weaknesses he's uh, he says he likes to demonstrate his strength and so uh, down at that very level of the DNA God knows us and if he knows how many hairs we have uh, we know if we've taken a shower this morning we probably lost a few so he's up to the up to the date he's up to the very minute of what's going on he knows uh, who we're talking to this morning and who our friends are and who our enemies are he knows all the details of our life who Who's going to get a new job and who's going to get fired? Uh, And uh, all of that, he knows it. And it says he works all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Do you think God has a good plan for your life? He's a good God. He has a good plan. And we can rejoice in the sanctity of human life. And if we know human life is so important, and we know uh, both scientifically and biblically that uh, it starts at conception, that we should not let anyone... Uh, slaughter human lives. And over 50 million have died by abortion. And uh, what a tragedy. Just in America, uh, since abortion was legalized in 1973, January 22nd, marchers went to D.C. again trying to get the laws straightened out again in America to protect these innocent human lives. But you can be a part of that through, uh, you see the brochure and the bulletin this morning for the Expectation Women's Center helping uh, save human lives, but also helping save eternal souls as well because they have the Christian message as well as the message of the sacredness of life. And I encourage you as we take our offering now for the Expectation Center that you be generous. But also maybe uh, the Lord would lead you to be a part of volunteering there and helping in other ways, many other ways to help. But if we see human life as sacred, we ought to treat everybody special. Everybody we see, everybody we meet in the image of God. Let's bow in prayer uh, before this offering is taken. And just uh, uh, reflect on these thoughts this morning. That you're special in God's plan. That God knows your life and he's given you a savior, Jesus. I hope you've asked him to be your savior. But that you'll thank God for his work in your life. What he has for you and the plan and pray that he would protect the innocent who have no protection. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning that human life is special and unique in this world, that we're an amazing creation of our awesome God, that each person is unique and each person is special. You know us down to our DNA, the hairs of our head. You know how many are there today. Uh, You know all of our friends and enemies. You know all of the circumstances of our lives of our health and our material needs, our bills and all of that. And you care about each one of us. You offer to forgive us of our sins if we'll trust in Jesus who died for us and rose again. I pray for uh, the treatment of human lives in America, that they would not be discarded as they have been over the years, that there would be a continuing move to more people realizing that every baby is special 
Everybody should be, every baby should be protected and given the same treatment and respect as every human life. We'll give you the praise and the honor as you bring that about. In Jesus' name, amen.